When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamant. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling energized and engaged and inspired and actually ecstatic because <laughs> right now in Margate, there is the most extraordinary exhibition curated by um, a previous guest of Talk Art, Jennifer Gilbert, who runs the Jennifer Lauren Gallery from um, Manchester. And I know she's a very close friend of yours. You've obviously collaborated with her too um, recently um, on your show at Flowers Gallery in London. But one of the greatest joys for us was interviewing Jen twice uh, previously because she's introduced us to so many different artists that we had no idea about before. And she's a real champion of artists that are either self-taught or neurodiverse or disabled and are making the most important, incredible work. And I I just find the new exhibition, it's got like 17 artists in it, including a young woman who is based in London called Nanena Kalu. And we are joined today by two guests, not one. Um, I'm loving this at the moment. We've, we've been having a few episodes with numerous guests who are from the most extraordinary studio in, in London called Action Space. And um, have, you've actually met them recently at Studio Voltaire, haven't you? I have met one of our guests at Studio Voltaire recently talking about with a guest that, well, not, not a guest that's here, but an artist that we're going to be talking about today. So I've experienced it live, uh, one of the performances uh, in the flesh, which was magic. And yeah. in Studio Voltaire's is in Clapham and it's recently gone through a massive renovation and it is jaw-droppingly beautiful. And this action space has been working with Studio Voltaire for 20 years, over 20 years. And I'm sure this has gone through the whole process, but we can talk about that. Yeah, and it was was originally established in the 1960s. And some of you will have seen one of the artists we're going to speak about today. Their work was even in the Royal Academy last year um, Mm. in the summer exhibition. And it was just extraordinary. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Charlotte Charlotte Hollinshead and and Cheryl Cheryl Cato. Morning. (laughs) Morning. Hi, morning. Where are you? You guys are both in London, right? Yep. Yes, I'm actually at Inena Kalu's studio. I've got her artwork behind me. And uh, at the Studio Voltaire Studios and the new renovated amazing building in Clapham. Uh, So, yes, I'm here uh, in a warm space. used to be freezing here years ago. Now it's very, very warm. Well, that's amazing because that's who we're here to talk about today is the artist uh, Nana Kalu. And... You have you, you, people can't see it, but you have these vortex drawings uh, behind you there. But let's let's talk about what Action Space is before we get onto Anena's work and, and Studio Voltaire. So Action Space 
is London-based and it's, it's London's leadest development agency for artists with learning difficulties. So yeah. the two of you have been working there for many years, yeah. right, Cheryl? Yep, yep. Action Space, as you said, was launched in the 60s. Um, it's gone through a number of um, different sort of versions. Um, and currently, we're a combination support studio and artist development agency for artists with learning disabilities. So we provide studio sessions where artists can come in and develop their ideas, develop their skills, develop their works, supported by um, our fleet of artist facilitators, um, Charlotte being one of our main ones, but we have eight artist facilitators who are all absolutely specialist, all amazing, wonderful people. And the idea is it's not taught sessions, it is a studio session where the artists all sort of develop their ideas. If you come in at any point in time, you'll find five to eight artists who are all doing completely different things, very much developing their own signatures, their own voices, their own artwork. And then our job really is to support them to take up opportunities like Nana's exhibitions and commissions, to do other professional development, to bring in other artists to develop partners so that we have lots of opportunities for them and I must say it's an easy job because they're all amazing we've got about 60 artists and in their individual ways they're all amazing I read that you have like 60 artists but every year every artist has the opportunity to exhibit at least once yeah yeah, that's really, I mean, as you'll know, um, exhibiting your work is a really important part of developing a practice. I, I think personally, you get really stale if you don't. I think you need the feedback. I think the other thing for a lot of our artists, and we really focus on them as artists, but also they are people with learning disabilities. And for a lot of them, their life experience is about, you know, assessment and negativity. So aside from being able to show your work and get the feedback so you can move your work on for a lot of people it'll be the first time that you know they see their work up on a wall or in a gallery families it's really important for families to come in and and you know particularly with new artists you see the moment where a family sort of I'm going to use the word rebrands their loved one because suddenly they come in they see something amazing that they've done and and they go off feeling very differently about them right. which is you know it's all the things art can do isn't it how do you do you find yourself in London Oh, God, I've, I've been place. here. I, I was born in London, actually. And then okay. my family moved to Canada when we were little. And I came back at, um, about 30 years ago. I've worked in the arts for my entire career. I'm, I'm a bit of a shadow artist. Um, I'm not an artist myself, but I'd love to be. I love artists. I love being around artists. I love particularly visual arts. Um, and I've gone through sort of different incarnations of working in the cultural sector. I worked on Fashion Week and then I worked for the Crafts Council, all very much aimed at supporting people to develop professional practices one way or the other. And Action Space came up and suddenly it was like, oh, here's another whole group of artists that I can I can support to develop their practices. And I've very much gone into it that way. And what, what is it like having 60 artists that you guys um, care for and look after and kind of encourage? Like, how many artist facilitators like Charlotte do you actually like have in the organisation to help support these artists' work? Okay. We have eight that we have, well, they're mostly freelancers, but we have eight on an ongoing basis. Um, we've got three studios, the one, as you said, at Studio Voltaire. We've got one in central London at Cockpit Arts in Holborn. And then we've got our newest studio, which is in Brent at Akava Studios in Wembley at Barham Park. Um, and oh, yeah. we run, I think, 
10 regular studio projects on different days. Some are half days, three hours, some are full days, six hours. So across all of them, some of the artists come in sort of for one session a week, some come for more than one session a week. And it, it's, I mean, it's, it's a great responsibility, but it's also a great pr- pleasure. And one of the things coming out of COVID, because we all went online in COVID, we, we continued mm-hmm. to de- develop um, and deliver sessions digitally. But it was amazing coming back into the studio because, you know, I'll be in the office working. Our office is based in Holborn. And I wander into the studio and you suddenly remember why you're doing all of this. Mm. <laughs> and you know the, the creative energy i mean charlotte will tell you the creative in- energy in the studio is amazing i mean you cannot go into one of our studios and not come out feeling energized and creative and one of the things for me was always you know here are these people and they're, they're just they're just doing it you know they don't they don't you know, they don't have this, is it good, is it bad? They're just instinctively making work. A need to make, yeah. Need Charlotte, to make. How, how do you find these artists or how do they find Action Space? Many different avenues, really. Um, so I've worked with Action Space since 96. So I've been here for quite a while. And the artists that I work with here at Voltaire, many of them have been here since 99, actually. And they just sort of came via a day centre. Well, we've always had really good relationships with many day centres around London. Um, and that, you know, lots of people just showed a bit of interest in art, were then kind of referred to come and work with us. Um, nowadays, it's actually, yeah, we're a very specialist service. And I, I think we spend a lot of our time having to explain what we do, that we're not a day centre ourselves, that, you know, we're kind of very niche and we very much support people who've got a real deep passion to make artwork. You know, it's not a social space. It's not a space where you sort of want to come in and, yeah, it's not a, a, a kind of Sunday painters project. This is sort of really serious. So we have now, now it's kind of, not that it's harder to get on our projects, but I think we do, we're, we're kind of careful because we have limited capacity and we really want to make sure that the people who are joining our projects really, really want to do it, you know. And I, I mean, there's the, we've had some people who've come to us who've actually already got uh, an amazing established practice to a degree but what they need from us is the space the nurturing the opportunity to then exhibit so we have an artist who died a few years ago in 2016 Nigel Kingsbury Nigel was amazing he worked with us for 12 years he came to us with this amazing drawing practice drawing sort of reimagined female figures utterly beautiful and the minute he started drawing, I was like, oh, you know, oh, my gosh, where's this man been? Um, and he worked with us for 12 years. Amazing. And we then were able to take his work that was all hidden in the day centre and sketchbooks, support him because he wanted to do it to go big. He started making these big drawings and started exhibiting. Nigel absolutely loved it, didn't he, Cheryl? He, yeah. he loved exhibiting his work. Now, an artist like Nana, who we're going to talk about in more depth, you know, Nana, it wasn't so immediate. You know, she's somebody who clearly had a very deep need to make work. But it's not like somebody then comes to you and you go, oh, this person's immediately highly talented. If somebody has got, like with Nana, that clear need to make, in terms of the quality, sort of doesn't matter because we can support them over a long period of time to fine tune and develop that quality which is sort of what has happened with Naina, really, and with many of our other artists. So we've had people who've come to us and just hit the ground running, and we've been able to provide them with big opportunities, and other people who've needed a lot more support 
to kind of really get their practice up to sort of professional level it's so great that you can really tailor tailor kind of um make it or like you know like very specifically for each artist and what they need and also to be on that journey like it's a bit like what i do as a gallerist like you can start at different points in people's careers but it's always about sort of nurturing where they're at and helping facilitate that in, in a sense you know nigel kin kingsbury we actually spoke about with jen on her episode because he did an amazing drawing of her and she yeah. got on really 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 well with him and i know that when he passed away she was really really like devastated by his was, you know, yeah. his his loss but what an amazing artist but we'll post some of his work as well because I, I loved his drawings they're, they're really beautiful so with with nena she first met you in 1996 but then came full-time in 1999 is that right yeah so we did action space in its sort of previous incarnation where it used to run lots of different projects that were kind of music and drama that was through the 80s it was a sort of multi cross arts arts organization offering a bit of everything. When I first joined, it was running 18 projects across like 12 different boroughs. And it was mad. My first job with Action Space was driving a little van between all of the projects, delivering art materials. (laughs) Yeah, taxi driver, really, delivery driver. You know, and then we kind of, it just was a logistic. Nana was on one of those projects. She was on a kind of music and visual arts project where I was the visual artist and I was collaborating with a, a musician. So yeah, we met then and then we had the opportunity to open up a studio project at Studio Voltaire, which had only just opened itself. So it it opened in 1999 on Nelson's Row and we were one of the sort of first artists in here. And actually, what is the gallery now at Studio Voltaire was our studio. We had that whole space as our studio in 99 and it was amazing. So there were no lights, there was no heating. It was so cold. And we, but it was amazing. So we had loads of space. We did these huge paintings, had so much fun. And then obviously when they, they wanted to sort of formalise it more as a gallery, we were kind of moved out and given our own space. But yeah, I've got some very sort of dark, dingy photographs from our time in that <laughs> studio. I remember it being really cold, actually. It's a bit like a, almost like a church like space, isn't yeah. it? Like a chapel or something. So it's got really high ceilings. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Naina was with us there. And then we moved into, they kind of built all the, all the studio spaces in the rest of the building. We moved into one of those. And actually, when we first moved in, I think it might have been 2002, into this sort of small studio it was tiny and my actions so Cheryl wasn't there then were you Cheryl nope wasn't your responsibility then I was told that it would just be for a year because it was really small and then 20 years later we were still in there because actually it's so hard to find studio space in London that's accessible but also where people want you We've had, we've really, you know, our job is to go out and find partnerships uh, with people really want to work with us uh, and support practice. But actually, I mean, Studio Voltaire have been incredible because from the beginning, they wanted us here. They saw the benefit for everybody of having artists who worked in the way that our guys do, working alongside other contemporary artists in a studio space. So, you know, although our space here wasn't ideal, it meant that we were really getting that kind of support we're in the right culture we're in the right environment to make the right support our artists to make the work they wanted to make so yeah Nana joined us then in, in, you're uh, on lots of other like with the studios it's kind of full up now so you're working with contemporary artists in all different fields that are in each other's rooms and I guess there's a an interaction that the artists are able to have with each other's work right yeah oh it's amazing I mean I can't we all moved out in 2019 out the old building we moved into a temporary studio in Brixton while this was being rebuilt. 
And then we was that cold back. as well? No. And it was just small. It was an old, it was a lovely artist there, but it was just a space that you rent sort of thing. Yeah, we moved into here in 20, well, last year, 2021. It was amazing, wasn't it, Cheryl? Because it was just like all the things that we've been working towards supporting our artists to develop a, a serious professional practice. We've spent a lot of time having to sort of try and convince people about that. We're always having to say, Nona is a professional artist. How many artists do that? How many artists go around sort of having to say, I'm a professional artist? It's like we, I feel like we, we've had to say that. Do you feel in general, though, that, that the art world, contemporary art, the way that institutions are seeing artists that are disabled or have learned difficulties, do you think, like you're saying, the penny's dropped? I feel like there's a change. I can feel the change. I can feel the change like with Project Artworks in Hastings. They got nominated for the Turner Prize this year. They're going to be a documenter. They were nominated for the Jarman Prize. What you guys are doing, you're having this uh, kind of international reach, this, these, these huge ambitions that you guys have had for your artists for years are being met, partnerships. You know, you, you're one of only four organisations in London that have been awarded an uplift in funding from the Arts Council. Um, it's like th there is such a momentum now and support. Why, why do you think that is suddenly? And that must feel, yeah, as you're saying, incredible. It's been a long journey hasn't it I mean Cheryl can talk far better about sort of the sector than I can but just from our our personal point of view from the studio it's been a very 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 long journey hasn't it Cheryl it felt like we've spent years pushing and pushing and like this whole idea of how we talk about our artists I do feel like I've had to spend years trying to convince people it's been a huge amount of discrimination sidelined left right and center for all sorts of things sidelined into just disability arts, outsider art, community art. It's been really difficult because we're all of those things and everything. Really, we our artists are contemporary artists. It's been, it's just like we've been having to kind of manoeuvre through this and sort of dodge various bullets, haven't we, Cheryl, to kind of yeah, get yeah. where we want to be. But it's been a very long time. It's been a long journey. So Nana's worked with us since 99. That was like sort of 22 years. And I would say probably maybe since about when the Museum of Everything stuff started to really kick off in kind of 2009, 2010. Yeah. That was a bit of a turning point in terms of interest. It became very trendy, the outside rock thing. We did ride on that wave for a little while and then we're kind of concerned about being sort of pigeonholed in that way. But it's been challenging, hasn't it, Cheryl? I think it's been a it, it's been a bit of a slow burn. The people who got the organisations who got it got it. I mean, we've also been working with Camden Art Centre for a good ten years, and in fact, one of our artists, Andrew Omading, had a residency there just in 2019. He's actually now um, preparing for his first major solo exhibition at Wood End Gallery in Scarborough in March, and we're now talking to Camden Art Centre about him having a proper exhibition at Camden Art Centre. He was also employed by them for three years as a co-workshop leader on their SEN schools program, which was, you know, the idea of someone with a learning disability being a co 
artist educator on a program with kids with learning disabilities on an equal basis to the other two workshop leaders. And so they've always got it. You know, his name's on the the wall from his residency. They see him as one of their artists. Um, We're also working with Autograph Gallery. Um, In fact, Thompson Hall, another one of our artists, is about to start a a three-month residency with them at the beginning of March. And this is the first time they've done a residency. Mm -hmm. We're also, you know, I think as a sector, I think as a part of the sector, we're starting to work together. Project Artworks have just launched a second iteration of their Explorers program, which they've brought a lot of other studios into, and we're going to be part of that. So I think there's been a lot of hard work. I think coming out of COVID, people are looking a lot wider. I, I think, you know, there'll be a lot of things in terms of the cost of going to art school, all of the alternative art schools, the great alternative art schools. So I think people will look wider, but I think we also have to not be complacent because I think things could easily just slip back to where it was. I think we all have to keep working and moving forward. Um, You know, there are still some gaps. I was talking to Jennifer yesterday and we were talking about the lack of press coverage of her exhibition, you know, uh, that that's an issue. I think some of it is because the press don't know how to cover it. I, I think they, you know, we, we need to help create a context for it so they understand it. You know, still getting in the main galleries is still a big thing and not instantly when you call somewhere being put on to the education department or the community department, which is great. And we love doing community projects. We love our artists actually going in and leading community projects. But in terms of showing work of people like Nana and Andrew and Thompson, you know, we want to be talking to the main galleries. Yeah, totally. I also think there's a massive gap in the kind of um, museum, you know, sector. If you think about like big museums, you, you never really see shows of, you know, self-taught artists or neurodivergent artists, you know, on that on that kind of level playing field. Like people like you know, Nana and uh, many of the artists you work with could easily have a solo show within those spaces and people would absolutely love it. And I can see it myself here in Margate because we obviously, Carl Friedman Gallery has put on this show with Jennifer and we sort of just handed the gallery over to her in in a way, you know, to to basically do whatever she wanted to do because we just believed in her. And, you know, she's put together this stunning exhibition and it's so complex and so rich. And honestly, we have never had so many visitors and we've never had the kind of response that we're having um, to the work because people are so um, there's so much kind of joy around seeing seeing this work you know it's like the intensity of mark making the the kind of passion the drive the the world making the the, the way that um, all of these 17 artists are creating their own universes and they're so precise and so joyous and you know whether it's sculpture drawing painting like there's all different techniques as well and each artist is so individual and I I, I think more museums need to show you know work by all kinds of artists and they are artists contemporary it's like like you said charlotte i think it's the authenticity and and the honesty that comes from the art because when, when artists can't communicate in the traditional sense this is their way of communication and this is what we're seeing is that the artist is in all of us and it's always so inspiring these shows as you go this is this is a compulsion to create to make marks to mold to use the hand that connects the brain to the exterior world and that is always so inspiring to me my thing is is you know because people have different 
methods of processing and and, and communicating. And what we're working with, because as Charlotte said, we're working with people specifically who are doing visual arts. And I, I, I think most of them are visual thinkers and visual communicators and visual processors. Yes. So from my background of working with other artists working in the community in, in a visual field, I don't really see that much of a difference, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, I was sure. going to say that I, I one of the issues around us sort of spending so long in the studio uh, over the over the last twenty plus years, and maybe not always having the opportunities that other come to other artists, is that it all becomes a bit insular. You're not getting that feedback and that critiquing around the work. So Nana, especially her work being so out there now, we're getting a huge amount of feedback, and it's been it's been really emotional because it's sort of, we live with Nana's work all the time. Our our team here at Voltaire. And then, you know, it just becomes what we're seeing all the time, seeing her working. And and I know what she does is amazing. I know she's amazing. But to hear the the response of visitors to exhibitions, people who had no idea about her work, don't know anything about her disability necessarily, but are just responding to it. Can I just, can I very quickly read you a quote of an artist, Mm -hmm. of of a visitor to an exhibition? Do you mind if I do this? Because it made me... Please, please. Somebody who came to Nana's uh, solo show commission, Studio Voltaire commission that was in Mayfair, Old Burlington Street in 2020. Nana was doing a live install so people could see her see the work evolving um, during, uh, for the duration of the exhibition. Um, and this lady came in with her son, her autistic son, uh, who took his shoes off and his socks off and was scampering around the space, going in and out of Nana's sculptures with his bare feet. It was really lovely. While Nana was working uh, with her wrapping. Uh, and afterwards, this, this mum put on Instagram, because Nana is autistic and because my lumen is autistic, I couldn't help but consider the metaphoric value of these works, the weight of matter, the layers, the complexity, the desire to hold it all together to secure. I had one of the most visceral reactions I've ever had to an artwork, witnessing an artist responding to a constructed framework and saying everything I'd like to say and have the means to say, but could never say so beautifully. And I just thought I was such an an amazing response to Nana's work. You realise how Nana's work is so important, really powerful. Nana can't articulate her practice. You know, we, I, I speak on her behalf. I talk about processes and what she's doing. And then to have someone else who's got such a sort of insight into autism and have such a visceral response to it was beautiful, really amazing. I just, it, it reminded me, seeing that, it did make me feel really emotional and just think, Nana is so important. <laughs> She's such an so important, important artist. And, and yeah, you guys really are such good. amazing advocates for diversity within contemporary visual arts. And that's what's so important. So let's let's get into Nana's practice. So you t- talked about rapping then, and I've actually heard you describe her as the queen of rapping. <laughs> um, it, it feels like there are kind of two, three kind of sides to her practice of, of, of where she goes. There's these, these vortex drawings and then these sculptures. But let's talk about the rapping and how that comes into Nana's practice. And the, and the dancing. You have to, that's another aspect. Of <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, Abba. Abba, yeah. So, oh, I, I think... Nana's first sort of eight to ten years of action space were very much a kind of trial and error. I could, her need to make was completely evident. There was no question. Her need to repeat, to layer, to keep going, uh, to, to kind of make these repeated forms. 
But because of the nature of the studio is very small, and whilst in those back in those early days it was just me and ten artists, I didn't have a kind of team of people helping. So everything was about just kind of a bit of creative management, materials management, time management. What could I make sure I could enable these people to do and have a really purposeful, exciting, creative day? with very limited resources. So the first 10 years were very much kind of testing ideas and nurturing nurturing they need to layer. Um, but, you know, the, everything she was doing was brilliant. She was just knocking out the park every time. And everything she did was just getting bigger. She always wants to go bigger with everything. <laughs> Things just grow and grow and grow. So if you actually saw how small our old studio was, the work that actually came out of it from all of our artists, I still look back and think, God, oh, that was amazing. Just, you know, we were never... It was almost like that. That uh, we was a con- we were constantly rebelling against that tiny space that we had. It was almost like you know having that small space. I think pushed us to challenge it. When Cheryl came and uh, started working with us, I actually said to her, you know, oh my gosh, you know, we need to we need bigger opportunities. We need more space. We need to be out in public more. And before that, all the exhibition opportunities had been very, very community-based. It had been libraries, predominantly. Lots of libraries, lots of library exhibitions. We started developing work, sort of site-specific installations in a shopping centre in Wandsworth. So as part of the Wandsworth Arts Fringe Festival, we would take over an empty shop for a month and just move our studio there. And that's actually when we really, really got to see the potential of Naina's work. So in the studio, Naina was actually working, making these tiny sort of cocoon forms. She would find materials and just bundle them together with little bits of tape and make these big, massive, massive piles of tiny cocoons of sculptural forms. But we didn't know what she wanted to do with them. They had no home. They were just bags and bags of little cocoon bundles. I remember Studio Voltaire had a massive party. They always used to have lots of parties, but I think they still do. And uh, they had one party with lots of bales of hay. We went and got those after the party, and Nana took all the bales of hay apart and then started and then rebundled all the bits of of hay with tape incredible a lot of my job is about sourcing materials for her because she just needs to work en masse with a lot of stuff it's always about finding something that can satisfy her need to keep exploring an idea for a chunk of time so it's always about finding a lot of a particular material so bales of hay absolutely perfect so much fun pulling those apart so anyway we we we, we developed these site specific installations uh in uh, empty shops and actually just brought Nana's cocoon bundles with us and just laid out lots of tape laid out lots of different materials and just left her to it and so sort of came back and she bundled loads of them together and then had started attaching them to the wall and and then attaching them to boxes it was just desperately trying to attach them to things Things were falling apart. Things weren't kind of holding together well. But her need to do that, to give the work, to, to bring it together and give it a home was very apparent, which is why the sort of concept of all these sort of apertures started to come in. You know, and a lot of my job is about trying to support Naina to uh, do what she needs to do and do it so it holds together. So I'm kind of there as a, in, in the background, always offering the practical uh, as an enabler trying to sort of make sure she can do what she needs to do so mm-hmm. that systems are in place she's got the right tools 
Um, and if somebody needs to hold something for her while she's binding it so it can be secured on effectively, you know, that we make all that happen. Does that make any sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I, the materials you're talking about, because it seems like she really loves the continuous line. Yeah. She doesn't like to be able to, to that to stop. And I think the materials you you have to keep supplying are like videotape. So you sh- she would pull the videotape out of old VHS tapes. Or like she doesn't do tapes. that. I do that for her. So I'll, right. I'll, we, I have teams of people who come and dismantle old videotapes. We had, um, Nana did a solo show in Hull and uh, we managed to get a massive load of videotapes from an old blockbusters that had shut down. So we've got, we've currently got quite a nice supply of, of videotapes. But all this is trial and error. You know, we spent years trying out different things with Nana because she can't, she can't tell me what she wants specifically. If you're, if you're just sort of talking through a list of materials, she wouldn't be able to say, ah, I would like this and this and this. What you have to do is offer it. It has to be there physically available for her to choose from. And we tried all sorts of materials which really didn't work and have gradually fine-tuned it and eliminated the stuff that, that really wasn't doing it for her. Like what? What didn't work? And how did you know she wasn't responding to it? I mean, what I, I quickly realised what she needed a lot of whatever she was working with to sort of really itch that scratch. She needed... she just reject it then, or was she just not going to well, she'd have it? a go, and then she'd put things in the bin, or, you right. know, she'd rip things... That's, well, that's the sign. If, she, if it's in the bin, it's like, yeah, I don't want that. Oh, OK. Uh, you know, well, she'd just get frustrated. She'd rip it up. She'd tear things up. She'd stomp on them. You know, what you do if you're not very happy with something, you shove yeah. it, yeah, you get rid of it. There was a few times I've had wonderful moments with lovely, lovely artists who've come to visit who've sort of been there trying to overly helpfully show Nana different ways of doing things and Nana will kind of do it for about a minute and then she'll whatever they're trying to show her some process Nana will just rip it apart tear it up and that's gone so what when you see Nana working now it looks like this highly well-oiled machine and it's because it's so fine-tuned all the things that we that just didn't work what really works is anything that's got a really long line so that she can build those shapes and build that rhythm. Her work is all about movement and rhythm and her body and work all becoming one. So she needs a line that can satisfy that. So the VHS tapes, absolutely brilliant for that. And obviously tape, tape. She really loves paper, though. She really loves ripping. So lots of ripped paper, lots of ripped fabric, There's different stages to her sculptural work now. And each time we do an exhibition, the systems that that we've developed with her, we lay out all her materials, she chops and changes them. So the work comes out in a different way and it's evolving all the time. Uh, She's making those different choices about what to go on what. It's absolutely fascinating. And sometimes it's quite hard to articulate. I feel like it's quite hard to talk about 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) I I was so excited to meet Nana in in Margate. She came down twice. And um, the first time she actually spent a whole day drawing live in our space onto these huge sheets of yellow paper. And then in a few weeks time, she's coming back to, because she always works over two days on these vortex kind of works. So there'll be an initial day where she starts to create that that shape. And then she'll come back another day and and then use 
use different crayons and different materials. But the thing that I noticed most was how she was responding to sound as well, because yeah. I felt like there was a real sonic element to the whole thing. Even And then it made me think about when you were just saying then about the, the VHS tape or whatever, like even that rustles, like there's a kind of like, I don't know, there's a real audio part of it all somehow in, in the creation of the work. Yeah, massively. I mean, it's all, every part of what Naina's doing is this massive process that's feeding the work. And actually the work yeah. itself, it's hard for us to know what Nana's relationship is to her actual work because the process is so powerful and it's all about that moment. The unspooling of the tapes and then the rebinding with them. It's this constant sort of taking things apart, pulling them back together process with Nana. Recently, as I was saying, you know, with the work now being out there, people are writing and talking about it more. We've had some beautiful pieces of work, uh, text coming out of people kind of really understanding, really relating to the work and picking up on all that, the audio element, the movement, rhythm. I mean, these works are kind of Nana. They're Nana in, in, uh, in material form. And her drawings are sort of like, I mean, somebody described her drawings like blueprints of her sculptural work. I just thought, oh, that's such a great idea. They really are like that. You know, just this mm. continuous line that's then being shaped so beautifully. Yinka Shana yeah. Berry described her um, sculptural work as drawing in space, didn't he? For yeah. um, mm. the work he Love commissioned that. for the Royal Academy. Yeah. Yeah, he was a curator for the summer exhibition and, yeah. and Nana had a, a massive work in, in the room that he curated. Yeah, so actually the work that... Um, Nona's work, this constant sort of pulling apart, coming together again, has just been an ongoing thing with Nona's practice. I think, you know, this idea that something's never really finished, it's sort of an unfixed object, it just keeps evolving all the time. So actually, Rob, the, the work that's in the Carl Friedman Gallery has been, it's, um, it's been reworked several times. Yeah. It started in Brixton, it went to Hull, and was uh, although she used to make these big repeated boulders, and the boulders were used to construct the work that the ten hanging sculptural forms that she created live in Hull at the Humber Street Gallery. That was an amazing exhibition, utterly wonderful. And then that work was taken down from Hull to Studio Voltaire, where she completely reshaped it all and built far, four huge sculptural forms, uh, which would have been, been even bigger, but it was cut shut by COVID, that, that live install. And then the work came back to Action Space, and then she reworked some of it, tiny portion of it, for the Royal Academy. Then that came back to Action Space, and then Nana reworked it for the Carl Friedman exhibition. So it's like this work's just on an endless journey, both sort of... A physical journey moving around the country but it's also known as just constantly reshaping it so conceptual mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need a fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. 
From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com You just mentioned the live element there. And, and, and the performative side is, is another massive string to Nana's practice is that you invite people to watch her create yeah I mean, uh, and Rob was saying that experience of being there in the gallery space and I, I, I witnessed Nana working and there's there's a lot of things online now when did that become something that you were comfortable with allowing people into that side of her so when I was talking about the site specific installs that we used to do or takeovers of empty shops in Wandsworth it started then. It wasn't a plan. I mean, that initially, the idea of us taking over those empty shops was just to give us more space and see what happened. Mm. But, you know, so Nana, the minute she started to do those big sculptural forms, she was used to, from that very beginning point, of having people coming in and saying, oh, what's that? But, you know, I mean, the challenge with being in a, in a shopping centre is you've got a lot of people coming in going, oh, oh I don't like that. Uh, so we we had it was quite a, an amusing few years working at Southside. Um, so it, it kind of just grew naturally within the, the sculptural practice. I think one of the key things that I really wanted. I mean, back in the old days, like Cheryl was saying that that our artists when they first exhibit and their families come to see, it's an amazing thing. Back in the early days, we were experiencing. Our artists exhibiting works and people coming in and saying, oh, they didn't do that, did they? Did they really do that? Because they'd not seen anything like that before and didn't think it was possible. So I was always really keen to be really transparent and say, this is what's happening. Our artists are making it. And nearly all the artists who work with us here at Studio Voltaire are really used to working in a very public way. And quite a few of them now have got either a live art or a participatory practice, which is really bound into their studio practice. So for Nana, it just gradually evolved and became very natural. And then we realised, well, actually, this is amazing because Nana can't articulate what she's doing. She can't, you know, conceptualise her work, which is, as you said, Russell, very conceptual. It's actually really conceptual, Nana's work. You can find all sorts in it. Uh, she can't communicate that. So actually by her doing those live installs, it means that Nona can communicate what's happening without the pressure of having to verbalise it. There's no pressure on her there. She's just doing what she does really, really well. We really noticed with the Studio Voltaire install, which is the last one she did just pre-COVID, how much it had evolved into her performing, actually, that it wasn't just her making and people coming to see it. But she was really up to game. She seems to thrive with an audience. The way that she worked changed. Her demeanour shifts. I mean, she's known as always very focused. This was different. Had a different energy. So I'd be fascinated to see what happens when she does her next live sculptural install, the drawing install that she's going to be doing publicly at the Carl Friedman Gallery in the end of February. It's the first time she'll have done a live drawing one. So actually it's a little bit kind of like, oh, anything could happen. Nona might suddenly leave and go and get her fish and chips. You know, I'd, I'd, Yeah, she did love the fish and chips. I knew that was like, she came twice um, because she loved it so much. Yeah. And um, the second time she came, it was actually the, the private view, the opening. And it was so lovely to see her engaging with the other artists' work as well. And um, a few previous, I think, people who had worked with 
with you guys before maybe i've forgotten what his name is he was so nice from um heart oh richard phoenix yes he popped in i mean there's we've got so many amazing artists from across our studios who come and work with our artists uh and um in different ways and it's it's you know we're so lucky aren't we cheryl we just have this I mean, recently there's been so much discussion from, you know, because of like Project Artworks and and, uh, their Turner Prize experience and then all the work that Jen's doing. There's been a huge more opportunity for people to hear what it's like to work in a supported studio, how we support people. And it's just been so lovely. Jen did a talk the other day with, um, with artists with featuring the facilitators from three of the artists who are in the show. So Eric and Joe uh, and Dan from Creative Growth in America. And it's just wonderful. Everybody talks about this sense of family and this sense of, you know, there's real love for everyone that we work with. They are such, we're so lucky. This is such a, we have such wonderful people to come and work with us and our artists are amazing. We have so much fun. I mean, Nana, the rhythm of her work and all that passion that she puts into her work. You should see her on the dance floor. I mean, she's just, she's <laughs> out there, you know. I, I mean, I, I've been to quite a few club nights with Nana and she just rules the dance floor. You really must come clubbing one time. <laughs> yeah. Like Heart and Soul, who you mentioned, Rob, they run this amazing club night in Deptford at the Albany called the Beautiful Octopus Club. You'll, you'll see the best dancing in town at that club night. And mainly Nana. Because of her kind of, Nana has a, a, a need to echo, uh, which you see very much in the drawings. And then that comes out in her dancing as well. So she'll, she'll be leading a whole um, dance routine, won't she, Cheryl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to dance in, in, um, in a rota, actually, because she just tires us all out. So it's sort of your turn now. Wow. <laughs> so you, you mentioned an echo. So with the drawings, they echo each other, i.e. she works in pairs. So anybody who would see the performances when you look up now after hearing this podcast, or if you don't know already, there's there's two huge sheets of paper, and then Nana will work between the two, individually picking up a pen, making the work, replacing it, getting another pen, making the work, replacing it. And it, it has this routine and repetition and rhythm that she is responding to when she creates them. But when, when did the, the pairing start? How, how was that something that you knew? Because it doesn't seem to be in the sculptural forms. No, so sculptural forms, but the sculptural forms are there's all there's a huge amount of repetition in the process. But then, as the work's coming together, it kind of shifts because she's also, you know, she's responding to the sculptures as they're being making. She's identifying areas that need developing. They are they function in a different way and yet the same. So the drawing work initially that that kind of work, her working across multiple pieces just came out of the fact that our studio is very small. I keep saying that, Cheryl, sorry. Uh, and um, <laughs> It's not anymore. It's not anymore. <laughs> no, but I do think, I'm just I'm going to say this one more time, like, you know, the studios across the world who've got a lot of space, I'm so proud of what we have done over the years because our ambition and the scale of stuff, we've, we've yeah. risen to the challenge, haven't we, Cheryl? Nana really for a long time has needed her own studio. She actually does now have one, which I'll talk a bit more about in a minute, but she would want to just keep working so hard on something if she had one piece of paper that that paper would collapse. The paper couldn't withstand her pressure. Uh, She would work into it so hard it would rip 
Lots of her work has got rips in it. If it doesn't really have a rip or some sort of tearing or a bit of big smudging, it's not a genuine Nona clue for anyone out there who's going <laughs> to start copying her work. All the um, fakes that are floating around. All those fakes. <laughs> yeah. So um, she would work in it so hard, it would rip to the point where she'd keep going for a while and then she would rip it off the wall, scrunch it up, and it would go in the bin. You know, so my job, obviously, is to try and, um, I mean, that in itself as a concept is wonderful, mm. uh, but there's also a bit of a desire to hang on to some of the work. So to try and slightly slow her down, I started to put up two sheets. And actually, if she, if we had a day when someone wasn't in and she could spread out a bit more, we'd put up four sheets, six sheets, uh, and just see what happens. But generally, it was a two. And then that just became something that just worked so well. It just really suited her. Uh, she really liked it and she's developed that whole system herself with the pens she organizes her pens into the order that she wants them to be she often puts the big fat ones right at the end she chooses her pen she chooses the color she decides what she wants to use I mean the yellow paper Nana loves yellow absolutely is her favorite color um so and Jen said when I said we're going to have yellow paper for the Carl Freeman show and she went oh I hate yellow does it have to be yellow <laughs> yes it does <laughs> so um we, it was, it's yeah Jen's been amazing at, at supporting the yellow paper that she doesn't really like um, <laughs> <laughs> can I just say also um Charlotte and all of our artist facilitators, what they're really good at is developing that relationship with the artists so that it becomes really instinctive. Um, so going back to what Charlotte said before, people say, oh, don't you tell them how to do it? Well, I said before, all of our artists have enormous egos. You can't tell any of them what to do. So with Nana, Charlotte will have out different papers and Nana will actually choose the one she wants. And Nana, you know, as we said before, is really quite you know, this is the one I want. And if you put up the one she doesn't want, she'll just rip it down. Love that. So how long do these drawings take? And and so you're saying like people, will, like Nelly will come to the studio and, and it'd be great to hear about her own studio. But how long, is it like a day thing or does she return to them again? And once they're up, will she, like you said, the sculptural forms are always changing and developing, you know, from show to show. Could a drawing then be up on a wall and then she will go to it again and recreate more elements in it? So we tried all that as part of a process of eliminating what systems best work with Nana. And she hates faffing around around her. She wants things just to be set up so she can do it. She gets quite frustrated with, you know, she wants to get on with it. But she struggles. It's hard for her, like, in terms of, like, making the sculptural apertures. We actually have tried to support Nana to be really involved with that process of making the apertures herself she really really doesn't want to you know but we've tried and again with the paper so tried all sorts of things of supporting her to decide the duration of the work and I think we you know there's been there has been times where I have supported her to stop because the work was falling off the wall uh, and then I would sort of say no no you know would you like a new one and then she will dive on a new one. It's sort of, she's not able to go and get the paper across the studio and herself. Like, that's something that Nana would struggle with. She needs somebody who, and people who know her well to just say, look, Nana, it's got to this point. Do you want to carry on or do you want this new paper? And then it got to a thing where those the vortex drawings that are in, um, the framed ones that are in the Carl Freeman Gallery that she did in 2018 and 2019, 
we just got into a system where every day I'd ask her, do you want to carry on or do you want new paper at the start of the day? And then she'd want new paper every time. So those ones, each, each of those pairs were just done over one day. These big yellow ones that she's currently working on are over two days. So she's wanting to keep going back to these over two days because of the size, I suppose, and she's wanting to itch that scratch a bit more. Really interestingly, she was using on the first day pens and on the second day either oil or soft pastel. But ever since we came to the gallery and she did the, the install first drawing day, She's just wanting to use pens. She's rejected. Keep going, no, no, soft pastels, oil pastels. And she's just not, just keeps going back to the pen. So she's making those choices all the time. I'm just responding to what she wants to do, trying to keep those options always available so she's not being manoeuvred. You know, but it's, it's getting sort of slightly increasingly difficult to a point because obviously Nana's starting to get commissions you know, there's an expectation now. So that freedom we had before to really just play an experiment, it's shifted and we're having to adjust to that. It, it becomes a slightly different way of doing things. So when I, like with the drawing, I knew that the, that was coming up. You know, I, had, I very much needed to support Naina to get ready for that. So, you know, to sort of say, look, Naina, you've got an exhibition, drawing exhibition coming up. I mean, she's really up for it. She, I'm not. I'm not ever having to sort of, I mean, I'm always trying to catch up with Naina. She's a real force to be reckoned with. And I, we all struggle to keep up with her, to be honest. So, you know, she's leading the way. I'm scurrying behind her. <laughs> with paper. <laughs> and it's it's really brilliant, that, that kind of open environment that I think is created through Action Space and these studios that you have, like, and the trust that's there between the facilitator and the artist. And it's all about listening. That's what I wanted to say earlier. It's, I think it all comes down to listening. And that's what I think there is a responsibility for public organisations like museums, especially in the UK, to actually start listening more to different artists. And, you know, obviously there's been what I hope will be a constant evolution and continuous support for, you know, people of colour, for queer artists, for all different kinds of artists. But there also needs to be support for, you know, artists who have learning disabilities or are disabled or have mental health issues because their art is totally valid and totally incredible and will change your life and improve like the visitor's life. Like people love it, <laughs> you know, and I was talking to Tracy Emin about it the other day and she she thinks this is one of the best shows we've ever done. And she was saying to me that that for her, she really doesn't like that word outsider art. And can you speak a bit about that history of that word as well? Because we were, we were trying to come up with other ideas because it's such a hard thing. But in the end, it's just art. You know, we were talking about like auto art because it's almost like something that might just come directly from the soul. But that, that, that even that term could be used for artists that don't have learning disabilities, you know, because it's the same. It's basically that is what art is. It's like a way to express yourself and to express the world around you and how you want to see the world or, or something like that. Do you know, we spend our, all of our time talking about that. And Jen did a talk last week, as, as Charlotte was saying, with three of the other studios who support some of the artists that are in the Carl Friedman exhibition. And it was Sarah from Creative Growth was asked the same question. And she said, well, we've just come back to talking about artists as contemporary artists, because that's what they are. Yeah. And that's where yeah. we always come down to. Outsider art 
you know, I, I think it's a particular area of art. I think it's got a particular look to it. I think it's got a particular purpose to it. It was very good when suddenly the Museum of Everything came along and everyone was interested. I think what it made people do is look outside of the sort of the, the mainstream art and recognize that there were these other things that you could look at. And we wrote on that. But now we need to come back around because, again, all of our artists, they don't have a cohesive look. It, the, the work isn't all the same. It's all different. And if you look at all of their art, it all sort of relates to other artists that might not have learning disabilities. So we're just, you know, really strongly, it's just contemporary art, really. I mean, the whole, we're, we're based in Studio Voltaire. We're working alongside other contemporary artists within a contemporary art space with a gallery. We have been for 20 plus years. There's no way that our guys are outsider artists. It's just impossible. That, that, that would be, we're just not, you know. I mean, Nana has, she's not gone to art college, obviously. She's had her training through action space. We could say that, you know, and but then it's a different thing. We've had discussions in the past with people who really don't understand the way that we work, where it's kind of like, oh, well, they could come and do their training with action space and then move on. And it's like, well, where are they going to go to? <laughs> There's nowhere to go. Like, we have to be here. This is a long-term commitment as all of these supported studios, which then obviously funding-wise is a bit of a challenge, but... Yeah. You know, this is a long-term investment in in into someone's practice because mm-hmm. there's no one else to be there. Nana can't move on to the next stage. So we're having to evolve our organisation to be that next stage. And as these, these opportunities for Nana keep kind of coming forward, it's challenging our structures, isn't it, Cheryl, uh, about how we function. You know, and it's, it's become complicated. I mean, you were saying before, what's it like to, to support 60 artists? Really complicated because that's people who've got 60 different, completely different practice. We are not a collective. We're not presenting as a collective. My day becomes really complicated now. I, I support in our studio 10 artists specifically, but they're all working at really high level. They're all got amazing opportunities now. Pardit Kapil's about to do a live art residency with Studio Voltaire. Linda Bell has got this amazing um, participatory uh, sort of movement uh, sculptural practice. She's about to do a project with hospital rooms. She did an amazing project last year with the British Museum. You know, and it's sort of, it's very exciting. What's happening now is really thrilling. Um, the organisation is evolving because if you had asked me sort of a year or two ago, I would have said we're a supported studio. Um, but, you know, we've got three artists, Nana um, Thompson and Andrew, who are already out there. We've got all of these other artists coming up. So this is where the artist development agency is coming into it and looking at how we support more than those three artists. Because as Charlotte said, we're, we're now moving beyond just developing their studio practice and supporting them into studio to actually supporting them to be professional artists and to take on things as they come along. So, so with that, then there's a, like a commercial aspect, then obviously because you're there getting commissions. And how does that work? Is is that then because these like the show in Carl Friedman Gallery, these works are for sale. People can acquire these works in the Royal Academy. Mm-hmm. Does that does that money become like a, a feeding system for action space? And does it then go back to the families and the artists? The commercial side of of action space now that must get really complicated if you have this many it, artists. It, it is incredibly complicated. In a lot of well, we take a 
commission on things that are sold because, you know, we have an involvement and an investment in it, which then goes into our um, our, our pot of money because we need a lot of money, obviously, to do what we do. I mean, we get core funding from the Arts Council. My co-director, who leads on fundraising, is very good. So we have funding from most of the major trusts and foundations like Paul Hamlin, the big lottery. But there is a funding stream, and that's something that could develop. We're very careful, though, to be able to respond to what our artists want. So we don't want to go down the route of saying, what we're going to do is we're going to do commercial, we're going to do commissions, and we're going to see that as a big funding stream because we want to be able to respond to artists who don't want to do that. But yes, it is an important funding stream. In terms of the money coming in for the artists, it depends on their individual circumstances. With some artists, the money gets paid on with other, it gets reinvested into their practice. So for example, um, Nana has had, which Charlotte will tell you about, um, three big awards in the last year, which basically have been used to support her working in her own studio and developing her practice further. Nice. I, I just wanted to go back to the, when you were sort of talking about opportunities, I suppose, and how we've evolved a bit, but just, you know, 10 years ago, we, we talked then about the idea that Nana should be somebody who had the potential to be nominated for the Turner Prize or other such opportunities. And it was having that suggestion actually within the contemporary art world was quite sneered upon and not never taken seriously. It was often said as a bit of a joke, not by, not by us. I mean, received by other people in that way. It's awful. I, I think I kind of only just realised now, we're sort of coming to uh, on this long journey, how how much discrimination our artists face, and in turn us with it. It's been a real battle to convince people, and now I feel I'm quite intolerant. Now I can't be. Uh, I, I, anyone who's not immediately getting it, you're, you're missing a trick if you don't immediately have this feeling for it. Obviously, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but you know. So there's that. Um, I think we're very, very, very ambitious for all of our artists. Nona was a massive trailblazer. And uh, I just think that she, I mean, there's other artists around the world, obviously, are doing amazing things. William Scott's just had this exhibition at Studio Voltaire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Dan Miller's doing amazing things with Creative Grow, all sorts of people, I can't name them all. Shinichi Suwada, who we spoke to Jen about, yeah, who's absolutely. A from a studio in Japan, who's like international. Yeah, amazing, amazing work. I mean, what Nain is doing is so in line with contemporary practice. Mm. It's highly conceptual and, you know, she should be given an equal footing. I mean, the fact she needs support is neither here nor there. She just does. All artists need support. I was actually listening to Anthea Hamilton's Talk Art podcast that she did with you. Anthea's got a studio here, really lovely. Anthea likes to bring us her old bits of cardboard and fur that she doesn't need anymore. So Anthea was talking a lot, very honestly, about how she needs support. Loads of artists yeah. don't do that. Lots of artists don't talk about the fact that they need a network around them to hold them up. Mm. It was really lovely to hear her say that. It was really refreshing. And our guys too, do too. It's just that it, it you know, it's, it's, it's extra. Even more support is needed, really. Mm. Well, Anthea, yeah. like you, is incredibly embedded in the Studio Voltaire family. Yeah. Has been for many, many years. The studio that you're currently in, 
that was a prize with Loewe, wasn't it? Yeah. So last year, I think during COVID, Nona didn't work for 18 months, really. I would Zoom her every week and we'd do a bit of drawing together. But it was very limiting. She couldn't come in, didn't do anything. So while she was sort of at home shielding, we were busy applying for things on her behalf, weren't we, Cheryl? Uh, So it was just this weird thing of her being isolated. And then the art world was kind of, you know, she's sort of out there uh, online, but in, in the real world, she's sort of just at home. We applied for lots of things. So she got three awards last year, which were incredible. It's the sort of stars aligned for Nona last year. She got... Uh, a Mark, she applied for the Mark. Well, we applied on Nona's behalf, Mark Tanner Sculpture Award, which she didn't get the award. She was shortlisted, but then they decided that they actually wanted to give her a development award for her practice because they so loved her work. So she got a Mark Tanner Development Award. We applied for with the new studio of Voltaire Building. They had seven studios that they were giving awards to. For, uh, for artists to work for two years in free spaces, and that was supported by the Loewe Foundation. So Nana got one of those. She actually got the largest of the studios, so I'm currently sat in it now. Uh, and, yeah, Nana's made it her own and is busy working away. It's completely covered in, in, in her work. And then she also received Paul Hamlin Artists Grant last year, £25,000, just to support Nana's practice, but it means that you know, that that money means that we can now actually really effectively support Nana in her own studio. So she has extra time beyond the, the normal studio time that she has. And it just means we can really go for it, can't we, Cheryl? We can really effectively support Nana. Um, so brilliant. It's just absolutely wonderful to have that. But now we're thinking, right, what next? What happens next? I think you're, Studio Voltaire... You're always ambitious. Yeah. It seems you're always, you never stop. You're always, for your artists and for Action Space, the ambition just builds and builds and builds. And that's so beautiful to witness. We, we can't not be, to be honest, because, you know, as I said, you walk into the studio, you see the work and it, it just, it, it pushes you. You have to be. It's, yeah, it is incredibly inspiring. So we ask all of our guests who come on two of the same questions. I guess we'll ask you guys, and then if you could, as you as you were saying, Charlotte, sometimes you are are able to talk uh, for Nana. If you might be able to say what Nana would choose, but if you could, guys could do an art heist. You could have any art of any work of art in the world for yourself, and you could steal it very nicely, and we'll help you with that. What would it be, and why, Cheryl? What would you take home? Charlotte warned me about this last night. Charlotte's got a really good one, um, so I might cop <laughs> out. Um, I, I said to her, it's really funny because I'm sitting looking at my pin board and I've got a postcard of Chris Ophelia's No Woman, No Cry, yes. um, oh, which yeah. I just love for so many reasons. You know, the fact that it's Doreen Lawrence, the fact that the tears are Stephen Lawrence, the fact that it's a beautiful piece of artwork. And for for me, a lot of what art does is it communicates things that would be difficult to sit and talk about, which is why I like our artists' work, because again, they communicate things that they're not able to sit and talk about, but it's there. So I don't know if I'd want it, though. I kind of like the idea that everyone can share it and get the message. Well, we can get you a poster instead of the postcard. Good. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll get it on a tote as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Charlotte? I suppose I was very much sort of thinking about Nana and uh, all the journeys and different adventures that we've all had together. When I did my degree, I actually wrote about a piece of work that Marcel Duchamp did 
in um, 1942, where he was asked to create a piece of work for a surrealist exhibition, and he covered the whole space with string so people couldn't properly get to the work, the other work that was there. I absolutely love that. So rather than a heist, I would like to be able to go back in time and experience something. I'd love to be able to go back and experience that. I think the reason why that was so important for Naina is because when we started working off-site in the shops, we also were inviting other people with learning disabilities to come and visit. And rather than them just come and look at the artwork, we wanted them to come and sort of make alongside and have fun and really enjoy the art and give more purpose to it, I suppose, for them as a visitor. So we invited them to come and make work alongside Naina and I needed to work out strategies to support Naina to scale up her work and share it. So obviously Naina's always loved a long line. So I kind of slightly nicked Marcel Duchamp's idea gave everyone lots of balls of wool. We had this big cube structure in the middle of the shop and then we'd spend a whole day lobbing wool at each other (laughs) and uh, binding and threading with it uh, to create these really dense, big sculptural interactive forms. Absolutely brilliant. Naina loves throwing things, so her own sculptural work often gets lobbed around. So I would like to go and revisit, uh, not revisit, because I never went there in the first place. I'd like to- <laughs> <laughs> like a time machine. We can get the time machine. Yes, please. Oh, yeah. This was part of uh, Watch This Space, which was with uh, Wandsworth Council, which is a cube installation that you, these workshops that you do every year. Yeah, so much fun. Nana absolutely loves those. I mean, she loves sharing her practice, but she also wants to get on with her own thing. So we try not to do too many of those workshops with Nana, really, because it's... Uh, yeah, but she does love it. She's a real role model. Other people, especially people on the autistic spectrum, who also have that need to build, you know, they're in awe of Nana. She is like doing, living the dream. She's doing what they really want to do really, really well. So, you know, those workshops, when we do do them, they're just, uh, they're killer, aren't they, Cheryl? Really good. What would um, Nana take home? Because I, I think there's a similarity with Phila de Barlow's work. And is she aware of Phila de Barlow's practice, this kind of anti-gravity, these huge kind of shapes, these pods and forms? Yeah. I, rather frustratingly, Phila de Barlow did uh, a site-specific piece at Studio Voltaire, I think it was in 2010, was just at no Nana was at the cusp of us starting to really understand her work. So I didn't have the confidence that Philida was here. She was working here. And I first of that's another thing. Can I go back in time to have a chat with Philida? Um so because I, I didn't introduce them, but I didn't feel at that moment maybe quite confident enough to know what we were saying, what what that conversation would be. So Nana has not seen Philida's work since then. And also that work, that piece that was at Voltaire was a very sort of solid, hard piece of work. It was That, that yeah. piece was very different to the sort of tactility of Nana's yeah. sculptural It was form. an intervention going through the room, wasn't yeah. it? Rather than, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd love them. I'd like those two ladies to meet. And I love the fact, Rob, you said before that Nana was a young lady because I just think Nana's, um, you know, she's out there, middle-aged woman, and uh, I think it'd be really great if her and Philida could get together, do some stuff. If Philida's out yeah, there. <laughs> Philida, yes. We can introduce you to Philida. We know Philida. Yeah. I've actually got a work of hers upstairs She's been as well. I love Philida so much. Yeah. Oh, she has been, yeah. 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 The other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? Well, I, I'll speak on behalf of Naina and it's, it's yellow. Mm-hmm. Yellow! Hello. Which we know Jen Gilbert 
doesn't like that isn't her Jennifer does not like yellow <laughs> sorry all. Jen she said it doesn't go with her hair or her complexion right got it <laughs> Cheryl do you have a favourite colour yourself no mine changes changes from day to day alright it's a universal yellow yeah what is the best advice that you guys have ever received when it comes to um, the artists that you uh, are working with that you're facilitators for but also for Action Space do you know what I've got this thing that we've written on our new studio wall that one of our assistants was told by her tutor at St. Martin's. I actually don't know who the tutor was. The tutor said to her, whatever you're doing, stand up for your practice. And I just thought, oh, that's such a brilliant thing. So we wrote it on the wall because we're having to stand up for many practices. We're also having to stand up as a facilitator. I feel like I have to stand up for my practice as well as a facilitator yeah. because... Yeah. People get really don't understand what I do. So there's a lot of explaining that comes with our work. But stand up for your practice is an awesome one. And mine's be ambitious. Oh, good one. Be ambitious. Well, these are, these are well, inspiring stuff. And you're making professional careers realistic options for all your artists, which is so exciting. Yeah, and I think it's it just shows like art really can transform lives. And it's not just the life of the artist that can be improved, but it's also like, you know, even you, Charlotte, and you, Cheryl, like, you know, your lives are enriched as well through working with these artists. And I, I've seen it myself, like I said, in Margate with all the visitors. I mean, it's bringing so much joy to people and we have to, you know, stand up for artists Yay! more. Yeah. But yeah, and also I think it's really important that organisations like Action Space are seen and spoken about yeah. and promoted and funded. like you're talking, you know, it's yeah. like it's so um, recognised and overdue. Is, yeah. is the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, thanks so well, much, Well, thank guys. you so much, both of you. I have loved every minute of this. It's been fascinating. Thank, thank you so much. Um, oh, you're welcome. The show in Margate is called To All the Kings You Have No Crowns and that's running till the 3rd of April at the Carl Friedman Gallery in Margate and if you go there you might be lucky enough to bump into Rob uh, wandering around <laughs> so he loves a selfie he'll probably be in a really bright sweater so please go and tap him on the and shoulder Nana's live drawing event is on Saturday the 26th of February and it'll be in the afternoon um, there's no booking required for any of our events and we're also doing a few artist talks with um, a number of different artists in the show so you can find that all at carlfriedman.com well thank you for listening everybody we'll be back very soon and we're going to be linking to Action Space on Instagram your Instagram is just at Action Space isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Studio Voltaire. And Studio Voltaire. And we'll be posting pictures of all the artworks we've discussed in today's episode on our Instagram at TalkArt. Thank you for listening. You. We'll be back very Have soon. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to TalkArt with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to TalkArt at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at moonpig.com. Moonpig.com.